0: Welcome to SF Site Audio Reviews. For this review, we're listening to Nightmare at 20,000 Feet by Richard Matheson. This is a collection of 20 classic horror stories written by Matheson in the 1950s and 60s. Each story is narrated by a single performer, but there are 12 narrators reading this anthology. The director has done an excellent job of matching voices with stories to help emphasize the tone and emotion of each piece. Each of these stories carries its own brand of fear, and one of my favorites is the title piece, where a businessman, nervous about flying, finds he cannot read or sleep during a long evening flight. So, he decides to look out the window.
1: Wilson blinked and shook his head. There was a faint tingling at the back of his neck as he pressed close to the window and stared out. He sat there, motionless, squinting, he could have sworn. Suddenly, his stomach muscles jerked in violently, and he felt his eyes strain forward. There was something crawling on the wing. Wilson felt a sudden nauseous tremor in his stomach. Dear God!
0: Terrified, Wilson calls to the stewardess for help.
1: She came running down the aisle, her face tightened with alarm. When she saw the look on his face, she stiffened in her tracks. There's a man out there. A man, cried Wilson. What? Skin constricted on her cheeks around her eyes. Look, look! Hand shaking, Wilson dropped back into his seat and pointed out the window. He's crawling on the... The words ended with a choking rattle in his throat. There was nothing on the wing.
0: Is there really someone out on the wing trying to damage the engine? You'll have to decide. But after you give this a listen, go check out the classic Twilight Zone version of this story on YouTube. A very young William Shatner plays the distraught main character. Another wonderfully creepy story is Long Distance Call. Here, an elderly, bedridden woman begins receiving phone calls, but there's never anyone at the other end just complete silence. Then, one night, when she picks up the receiver, she hears mysterious sounds coming from the line.
2: Now she shuddered violently as the sounds began again. They couldn't possibly be human sounds, she knew. And yet, there was something about them, some inflection, some almost identifiable arrangement of... Her lips shook, and a whine began to hover in her throat. But she couldn't put down the telephone. She simply couldn't. The sounds held her, hypnotized. Whether they were the rise and fall of the wind or the muttering of faulty mechanisms, she didn't know. But they would not let her go. Hello, she murmured shakily. The sounds rose in volume. They rattled and shook in her brain. Hello, she screamed. Hello, answered a voice on the telephone.
0: Then Miss Keene fainted dead away. When you hear the ending, you may feel like fainting too, or at least get a good case of goosebumps. The variety of stories is one thing that makes this collection so memorable. For example, in Blood Sun, Matheson takes the harmless question of what do you want to be when you grow up and gives it a grisly twist. Twelve-year-old Jules has always been a rather shy and backward child, so when the teacher asks for volunteers to read their composition, she's surprised to see Jules raise his hand. Surprise turns to alarm as Jules describes his desire to become a vampire. The teacher shuddered. Her hands
2: twitched on her green blotter. She couldn't believe her ears. She looked at the children. They were gaping. Some of them were giggling, but not the girls. I want to be all cold and have rotten flesh with stolen blood in the veins. That will... The teacher cleared her throat mightily. That will be all, Jules, she said. Jules talked louder and desperately. I want to sink my terrible white teeth in my victim's necks. I want them to— Jules, go to your seat this instant. I want them to slide like razors in the flesh and into the veins, Jules read ferociously. The teacher jolted to her feet. Children were shivering. None of them were giggling. Then I want to draw my teeth out and let the blood flow easily in my mouth and run hot in my throat. And the teacher grabbed his arm. Jules tore away and ran to a corner. Barricaded behind a stool, he yelled, And drip off my tongue and run out my lips down my victim's throats. I want to drink girls' blood! The teacher lunged for him. She dragged him out of the corner. He clawed at her and screamed all the way to the door and the principal's office. That is my ambition! That is my ambition! That is my ambition!
0: It was grim. Grimm is also a word that could be used to describe the situation of Amelia in the story Prey. Amelia buys a Zuni fetish doll for her anthropologist boyfriend and... Taking it to her apartment before meeting Arthur, she examines her strange gift.
3: She carried the small package into the living room and sat on the sofa. She nudged off her shoes while she unwrapped the package on her lap. The wooden box resembled a casket. Amelia raised its lid and smiled. It was the ugliest doll she'd ever seen. Seven inches long and carved from wood, It had a skeletal body and an oversized head. Its expression was maniacally fierce. Its pointed teeth completely bared, its glaring eyes protuberant. It clutched an eight-inch spear in its right hand. A length of fine gold chain was wrapped around its body from the shoulders to the knees. A tiny scroll was wedged between the doll and the inside wall of its box. Amelia picked it up and unrolled it. There was handwriting on it. This is he who kills, it began. He is a deadly hunter. Amelia smiled as she read the rest of the words. Arthur would be pleased.
0: A little later that evening, Amelia discovers the doll is no longer on the couch. While moving the furniture to see if the doll has rolled under the couch, she hears a noise.
3: She thought she heard a sound behind her, fragile, skittering. Amelia turned. The sound had stopped. She felt a chill move up the backs of her legs. It's he who kills, she said with a smile. He's taken off his chain and gone. She broke off suddenly. There had definitely been a noise inside the kitchen, a metallic rasping sound. Amelia swallowed nervously. What's going on, she thought. She walked across the living room and reached into the kitchen, switching on the light. She peered inside. Everything looked normal. Her gaze moved falteringly across the stove, the pan of water on it, the table and chair, the drawers and cabinet doors all shut, the electric clock, the small refrigerator with the cookbook lying on top of it, the picture on the wall, the knife rack fastened to the cabinet side its small knife, missing.
0: You probably think you know where this story is going, but there's a clever twist at the end that may surprise you. Those familiar with the 1975 made-for-TV movie Trilogy of Terror, starring Karen Black, will recognize the last segment of that show as an adaptation of Prey. Horror stories with dolls always creep me out. But the story that I keep thinking about the most is Madhouse. A college professor harbors so much anger within himself that everything he comes in contact with becomes a target of his rage, even the inanimate objects in his house. Here he pours out his wrath on a typewriter after the key stick and smudge the paper he's typing on.
3: He slams his fist on the machine. He clutches at the paper and rips it from the machine in jagged pieces. He welds the fragments in his fist and hurls the crumpled ball across the room. He beats the carriage over and slams the cover down on the machine. He jumps up and glares down. You fool! He shouts with bitter, revolted voice.
1: You stupid, idiotic, asinine fool!
3: Gone drips from his voice. He keeps talking. He drives himself into a craze.
1: You're no damn good! You're no damn
3: good at all! I'm going to break you in pieces. I'm going to crack you into splinters, melt you, kill you, you stupid, moronic,
1: lousy goddamn machine!
3: He quivers as he yells, and he wonders, deep in the self-isolated recesses of his mind whether he is killing himself with anger, whether he is destroying his system with fury. He turns and stalks away. He is too outraged to notice the cover of the machine slip down and hear the slight whirring of metal, such as he might hear if the keys trembled in their slots.
0: Matheson's writing is so powerful that he manages to make dental floss sound menacing. In fact, the entire house has such a negative aura that you just know something bad is going to happen. And let's face it, you'd be disappointed if it didn't. There's bound to be at least one story in this collection that you will find disturbing, unsettling, or even appalling, but I doubt you'll find any that are boring. Plus, the narration really adds to the experience. After all, who can resist listening to a scary story? Thanks to the publisher, Blackstone Audio, for permission to use clips in this review. For SF Site, I'm Susan Dunman, inviting you to read at the speed of sound.